0: Welcome to Therese Talk. I'm your host, Therese Maine. Thanks for joining me for a journey through faith and finances and Family and some food and just life in general. We're all in this together, right? So let's get started. In just a little bit, our special guest, Angie Smith, will share some of her heart. She's a wife, she's a mama, she's an author, and most of all, she's a child of God. And I know she's going to encourage you. In fact, I've been doing Angie's seamless study with a small group through my church. And one of the most amazing things is going back and looking at some of these Old Testament accounts that you might have just skimmed over. Part of what Seamless does is sort of draw this connection, the dots between things that happen in the Old Testament and the New Testament. So you can sort of see this continuous story that God has written. But there's an interesting thing that happens in the garden. And maybe you realized this, but I hadn't really spent too much time thinking about it. After Adam and Eve eat the forbidden fruit, they realize that they're naked and they go and they hide. And God God comes to the garden and he says, Adam, where are you? And here's the thing God is the creator of the universe. He's the creator of Adam. He's the creator of you and I. He knows every single little detail of everything in all of creation. And not for a second do I doubt that he knew exactly where Adam was, but he wasn't really asking Adam, where are you geographically, because he knew that. He was really saying, Adam, where are you spiritually? And Adam was in shame spiritually. He was hiding, he was trying to evade God. And I don't think we're a lot different. Than Adam sometimes. Where are you spiritually? Do you feel like you're living heart wide open for the Lord? Or do you feel like you're trying to hide something? I've got news for you. There's nothing in your life, past, present, or future that you can possibly hide from God. He already knows all about it. And so if you think you're hiding something, you're only fooling one person, and that's yourself. I would encourage you to take whatever it is that's holding you back in guilt or shame or whatever it is, take it to the Lord and ask him to help you reconcile it, whether it's something you need to forgive, something you need to be forgiven of, or something you need to uncover the truth about. Dig in with the Lord because he already knows where you are. He's just trying to get you to figure out where you are. I just love that account from the book of Genesis. Part of what we're trying to do as a family is just be good stewards of what God has given us. And we've never been very good with budgeting. In fact, like most of America, we kind of have a spending problem in that when I see something I want, I just go get it. you know. And a lot of times we don't actually need to spend money and we can still have the thing. Uh, I'm part of an online group called Buy Nothing. And I don't know if you have found this movement yet. And uh, what it is, is a Facebook group. And so you just search for Buy Nothing and your community. Some cities even have multiples kind of for different neighborhoods. And just find one that's close to you that looks like it's pretty active. So here's how it works. Uh, When I'm cleaning things out, when I realize that there's things that my kids have outgrown, I post them on there and then someone will say, oh, I'm interested in that. Now, if a lot of people say they're interested, you can just pick whoever you want to give it to. Some people do that by a random draw. Some people just pick somebody that they think looks nice, right? And that person comes and gets the item. A lot of times I just leave it out on my front porch and you know that person will come. Uh, and then if somebody else has something that they want to get rid of, they post about it and you can say, oh, I want that. And then you go and get it. Now, sometimes you're looking for something in particular, and you can say, Hey, I really would like this because of whatever it is. And one of your neighbors, somebody close by, will say, Oh, I have one of those that you totally can borrow. And so, or have that's the ideal is that they'll say, Oh, yeah, I'm not using this anymore, and you can have it. But I really wanted to use a cupcake holder. I didn't need one for forever because I certainly don't want to have anything else cluttering up my shelves. But I just needed a cupcake holder to send my husband to an event with some cupcakes. He needed to take dessert. You know, they kind of fall over if you just try to put them in a baking pan. Well, wouldn't you know, one of my neighbors down the street said, oh, yeah, you totally can borrow mine. In fact, I had two friends who said I could borrow theirs. But I picked the one who was closest to me. And it was really kind of a gift because, you know, I decided, well, I'll just walk down to her house. That's how close she lives, right? And uh, so I took my dog Lily out and we walked down and I chatted with her for a few minutes. And it was just kind of an encouraging time where I normally wouldn't be able to have a conversation with this person, and uh, and we got to talk, and then I got the cupcake holder and made the cupcakes and sent them with Scott, and then you know brought it back and cleaned it all up, and I decided to go get her a, a gift card from a new coffee shop that just opened near where we live, right? And I tucked it in there with just a little thank you and dropped it back off at her house. But you know, a lot of times we're looking for opportunities to talk with people about our faith, and uh, we get in these little insulated circles of our church. And and we don't really get to know our neighbors. But this is one of those ways you can get to know your neighbors. First of all, uh, you can have a need that one of your neighbors can fill and you can show gratitude back to them. Uh, or there might be something that somebody else needs and you get to really fulfill a need in a really tangible way. You also get to have these kind of cool encounters with people, you know, where you can ask them about their family or about their jobs or about their lives. And who knows what kind of opportunities that's going to open up. But when Scripture tells us to love our neighbors we can't do that if we don't know our neighbors and so buy nothing is just one of those ways first of all that you can be a good steward of the money that God has given you because the idea is to stop buying stuff and maybe just get it from someone else's excess but also where you can use the stuff that you have that God's already blessed you with to bless someone else you just never know what one of those conversations is going to lead to Listening to Therese Talk, Episode One. I'm your host, Therese Maine. It's a journey through faith and finances and food and well, just life because we're all in this together, right? I don't know about your family, my family loves chicken wings. You know, we're Western New York born and bred, so you like them nice and spicy with the Frank's Red Hot, and it's got to be blue cheese, not ranch. I just can't even. I can't even with people who put ranch on their chicken wings. I'm just kidding, but you know, if you get a good chicken wing from a restaurant, it's going to be deep fried and it's probably going to be expensive. But when you look at chicken wings in the store, well, they're usually pretty cheap. And so I thought, I wonder if there's a way that I can make a chicken wing that my family will enjoy. Now, I've seen lots of different ways. Uh, Some I've seen where you put your cooling rack on top of a baking pan and you bake the wings so the air can kind of circulate all around them. But we're the kind of family that grills out all the time. And so I thought, I wonder if there's something I can do with the grill. Well, part of the secret is a really good rub. And I sort of modified a rub recipe that I found online. It's got salt, Paprika, garlic powder, onion powder, thyme, and cayenne in it. And the the key really to this is to marinate those wings for at least 24 hours with this rub. Now, when I buy wings, I get them for like 99 cents a pound because uh, I find them at Aldi really cheap, but they come in the whole uh, big section. So you've got the part that looks like a little drumstick, the part that looks like a little wing, and then the little tip. And it's not really that hard to butcher them. You just need a really sharp knife and you kind of get in that joint and just cut it apart. So you have three parts, the little drumette, the little wing, and then the chicken wing tip. The wing tips I throw in a Ziploc bag and I put them in the freezer. They're great for making soup or bone broth and you can just deal with those later on. But normally you just throw those away, right? But save them because there's some good meat and bone marrow and all that in there. The rest of the wings, you know, the little drumettes and the wing parts, you put in this rub and you let it sit for 24 hours. Then you grill them. You grill them until they're good and crispy. You just want that little edge to them that says, yes, this is a wing. And if you need to finish them off a little bit in the oven, that's fine. But I'm going to get this recipe posted for you uh, where you can get to it very easily at Facebook.com slash Family Life Mornings. Our special guest today is author and speaker, Angie Smith. Angie is the wife of Todd Smith, who's the lead singer of Selah. She's authored a whole bunch of books, including children's books and the Bible study Seamless, which goes from Genesis to Revelation in one fell swoop, uh, kind of over a six-week study. Angie is just a delight on her video teaching, and I know she's got a lot of things to teach us today. It's kind of a big mountain to try to climb, right? The entire Bible in one study. How did you come to that?
1: It's actually one of the coolest, stories, but I've been writing life way for a long time, and um, they had the idea of me writing a Bible study, and so prayed about it, we went and had lunch, and um, there was a group of us, like maybe five of us sitting around, and they just said, has the Lord ever put anything on your heart as far as a Bible study? And I said, yeah, you know what, actually, I just remember when I first became a Christian, I was an adult, and I was so overwhelmed by the Bible. It, it's just these tiny tissue pages, and I can't make sense of any part of or put it into any order. So I started reading children's Bible to just sort of like get an idea of what happened in what order. And so I'm explaining this to them. And I was like, I really feel like that's something that the Lord has put on my heart. And two of them start physically crying. And they said, we've been praying and we haven't told you, but we've been waiting for someone to write that exact Bible study. And we felt like the Lord told us it was you. So it was just one of those like rare moments where you feel this absolute conviction that you're supposed to do it, and a confidence that he's going to help you do it. It felt like such a big project. It is, obviously, but I loved every single minute of writing that study. I had an amazing team, and I feel like I learned so much. It will always be one of the greatest honors of my life that I got to be a part of that project because it's something that I would have wanted so much several years ago.
0: You describe very early in that study, um, kind of this intimidation of walking into ladies' ministry, you know, where you feel like everybody's wearing the right thing and they've got the right case on their Bible and the right highlights and they know the right words and the right way to pray. Where are we going wrong in women's ministry and how can we make it more accessible where anybody can just walk in no matter what state they're in and just pick up where they are and, and grow? I think there's just so much to be said about, I I remember someone saying, give the gift of going
1: first, and I think that that's stuck with me for a long time, is that if you open up the door to that vulnerability, people will just be able to walk into it, and I think sometimes it's, I I remember sitting around a Bible study, and I don't know why this story came to mind, but I remember people saying, "Um, I don't know if I believe that Jesus is such and such, you know? And I was in a really hard season, and this was early on in my faith life. And I said, I don't know if I believe he's real at all. And it was like record scratch. And all of a sudden it was like, gosh, you know what, sometimes I feel like I doubt you. Or is that, you know, and it just opened up this conversation of really not the cute um, vulnerability. You know, I feel like that's like a thing right now um, is like the perfect selfie. And it's like, I wish I, you know, I'm like, no, 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 no. We need to really say I'm at, I'm at rock bottom and, um, I need help and I don't feel like I'm doing this perfectly. I feel like I'm a mess, but I think if I have the sense that other people are coming alongside me and supporting me, then there's more of a freedom for me to act like myself in it. So yeah, for me, I've had several people in my life who have taught me that lesson. Well, And I'm, yeah, I'm so grateful that I got to a place where I feel like it's easier for me to just sort of show up and be myself and not be measuring myself by the rest of the pew.
0: I think that one of the tools that the enemy uses so frequently, probably with all Christians, but specifically with women, because I've experienced it, is is isolation. That whether it's socially, mentally, physically, that you feel like you're the only one. I mean, it's like he comes into the flock of sheep and runs one off to the side and then says, that's it, I'm going to have you. But really, the flock is there. How can we connect back in? Or how can we be looking for that one that's been, you know, alienated over on the side and and invite her back into the fold? That's a, such that's, that's
1: a good question. And I think it's so much harder in the place that we're living right now, time because it's so easy to have a false sense of community. You've got people online. You've got, it's so easy to have sort of like a virtual community. Um, and I honestly feel like so many adult women who I'm around have that same question of how do I plug in? Cause we're sort of like one step back or several steps back from the normal way that we would be connecting. Um, so I wish I had some really stellar advice other than trying to find even just a few people who you feel safe with and that you can again, sit down with and have honest conversations and, and really, like, I pray often that if there is someone, I have a real heart for anyone who feels left out of anything. Um, I'm the one who wants to cry when I see people eating alone, you know, even if they want to be. It's just, like, one of those things. So I think also just praying that the Lord would give you eyes for someone that that he's called you to speak into, that it would be a very specific um, thought in your head. But, I, yeah, gosh, I think it's so complicated right now, don't you?
0: Well, I, I think you hit on it when you said this—this, this, you know, kind of virtual fake, uh, this faux sense of community, which isn't real at all. I started doing, um, I call it ladies at the table. I would just invite, I could comfortably seat six women at my table and have good conversations. So I just started inviting five ladies who sort of kind of maybe didn't even know each other and just everybody would bring one thing just to have conversation. And and my one rule was that nothing from this night can end up on social media because I didn't want anybody else to feel bad that they weren't at the table. Yeah. And, um, and it's just been kind of a cool thing. But then in my mind, I'm like, well, are there other like at the table meetings? Am I not getting invited to stuff? Like the FOMO is real. Like we all oh, feel like we're being left out of something. And, and I just yeah. have to remind myself that that's not, I mean, God is not like, it's so great for you to be included in everything. Like that's not in scripture.
1: Gosh. And especially raising teenage girls and Watching them sort of try and navigate that, we didn't have that. I mean, I didn't, I might hear something at school, but I wasn't looking at 48 selfies of all the people that I would have loved to have been with and then asking, wonder why I didn't. And then, of course, the next time I see them, I'm like, I don't know how to act or it's that, that part of me has a really, I struggle with that a lot. And one thing years ago, I don't know how many times I've ever said this, um, but I remember talking to a friend of mine, and she was reading a book, and she said, I just read this, and I want to share the question with you. And I was like, okay, I can tell you where I was sitting. It changed me that much. She said, when you walk into a room, do you assume that you're welcome there? Honestly, I would say I never do. I have the personality where I feel like I have to prove that I'm worthy to be in the room. So that is already kind of an insecurity of mine, and I feel like it's easy for me to actually back away from community because I feel like I'm going to let them down or I'm not going to prove myself worthy to be there so it's the same thing with social media where I'm like oh I I knew I wasn't good enough to be in that group or you know whatever I've got this sense of that there's this like curated museum of all these moments that I missed instead of just living my own life but I am very careful about it myself when I'm posting and I've taught my girls to to do the same because it's incredibly
0: difficult. So I was scrolling Facebook just this morning, and just to let you know the kind of highbrow content that I stop on, there was like a Kelly Clarkson interview with the Today Show. And, um, nice. <laughs> nice. and one of the quotes that they were talking about that she has is the idea of of like plucking the weeds and leaving the flowers. I know Kelly Clarkson didn't write that or anything, but, but it got me thinking about mm the people we surround ourselves with, you know, and you've kind of mentioned that group of people that you have. And as you've gone on this journey, I mean, first of all, having a husband who's famous and then becoming an author, I mean, there has had to have been times where you've had to say, okay, this this person is not healthy for this part of my journey, or this person's motives mm-hmm. are not, uh, you know, we're not God-led. And, and how can we... Um, how can we attrition people from our lives without feeling bad about it? Because I don't think that God has every person for every season uh, that we're right. supposed to be connected to, because then we don't deeply really connect with anyone.
1: That's a hard skill for me to learn because again, I'm such a people pleaser that I, I don't, even if it's something that I would want as far as pulling back, whoever it is, I don't want to disappoint that person or make them upset with me. Um, and so it's taken me a long time and a lot of, hard knocks where it's God just had to drop it over my head. Be like, this is not good for you. And learning how to pull back with grace and not in a way that's causing any kind of drama, but just to recognize. And I feel like I've definitely become more in tune with that as I've done what I've done. And um, I, I just get a sense, I feel like from people who want something for me that it's not healthy for me to give them or not appropriate me to give them, I sort of think there's a thing in my head where I can tell now when I have friends who want too much of me, then it's healthy. And drawing those boundaries has been really difficult, but really freeing and realizing, no, you're actually, you're doing healthy things because there were times that I realized I'm giving way second best leftovers to the most important people in my life because there are all these other people that I'm catering to. And there's absolutely no need for me to be doing that. So I, I have a very, very, very small group of people, which is the other thing I think when we're looking at social media and you see these pictures and everyone's, you know, doing their thing and all these famous people are hanging out, you get this false sense of what community looks like, I think. I think that word can be really hurtful. Like, oh gosh, I don't have 40 people who I go out to dinner with every three days and go on vacation with. And I think the reality is, at least for me, I love a lot of people, but there are very few people who are in that sort of inner circle of my life. And that helps me sort of stay grounded in those people and not be pushing myself to like constantly be trying to bleed my life into everyone else's when it's
0: not necessary, so let's wrap up on just a fun, very light question, okay? Yeah. All right. What would be your perfect day? Like, today is Angie Smith Day. What are we oh. doing today?
1: Oh, that's a good one. Can we do that? Um, I would say I am such a nerd. I, I like to just, like, be home and be lazy. I think most people would have been like, I fly to Paris. No, I think I'm such whole body. That I would drink coffee with my husband and watch good shows and read and maybe knit. Those are all very exciting. I realize that.
0: can't wait to hang out with you angie angie smith is joining family life for ladies night out october 24th in buffalo new york the 25th in syracuse new york and the 26th in bath new york tickets are available online at fln.org slash tickets we hope you can join us almost to the end of the very first edition of Terese Talk, and I hope that you've enjoyed it. You know, I just wanted to end with a kind of a surprise that I found. I've never uh, planted a hibiscus ever in my life. I always thought they were a flower that you'd see in, like, Florida or Hawaii or something, but there was one at my local garden center earlier this year, and so I said, oh, I'll give that a try, right? So I planted this hibiscus, and it looked a little sad for a little while and I thought well if it makes it it makes it and if it doesn't you know lesson learned. Well it was a couple weeks ago that this thing started to flower with these most beautiful pink flowers. It kind of get darker pink in the center right and a unique bloom that I don't see on any of my other plants and it was just such a delight because just about everything else in my garden has given up the ghost by now you know and is ready for winter but there is that hibiscus and it was such an encouragement to me because I think sometimes in life. We're waiting for something on our schedule. And it's like, okay, God, I'm going to need this thing. Okay, where are you? God, God, are you even in the middle of this? And then in God's perfect timing, the blessing comes. And it's such a reminder, if you have a flower in your garden that's taken a little while to bloom, that God's time is not our time. In fact, in Isaiah it says, our ways and his ways are not the same. His ways are so much higher than ours. And sometimes we need to wait, but I promise you that God is faithful and your life is gonna bloom in his perfect timing.